Professor of Marine Biology at Massey University is Karen Stocken. She's on the line. Hello there, Professor. Uh, hi there. Hi, Karen. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show with us. Obviously, highly emotional, this, and, and the country's completely enamoured with tour, as are we. So we've got some questions for you. Uh, I'm going to start with this. Is there any way that tour could be gifted to a park somewhere offshore that could take care of it into its maturity? Well, that's that's a tricky one. That's a real good one. Um, the reality of it is, is that would really come down to a number of things. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, that would come down to a decision by uh, the legislative body within New Zealand. So that would that would be a decision that would fall to the Department of Conservation. Generally, that's not something that New Zealand would usually be involved in. And, and to be fair, this is a, an unprecedented situation anyway. Yeah. Um, again, for the same reasons, we don't even know if we could, outside of all those logistics, um, even successfully translocate um, this well internally within New Zealand and it still be successful. So the whole idea of doing a, an international translocation to, say, somewhere overseas that has a park seems even more you know, possibly challenging than what we're already dealing with. So I think generally no is the answer, but I, I can completely understand why that might be something that people would think about. Could it exist at Kelly Tarleton's? God, no. No. <laughs> no. Our, our marine land, and when I say God, no, I, I, in no disrespect to Kelly Tartans, uh, Kelly Tartans is great in its setup of smaller um, uh, exhibits. But the reality of it is, is that we had a Napier marine land, as you may recall, um, many years ago, and that facility alone was considered too small for the common dolphins, let alone an orca, um, and let alone, yeah, what, what, what we're dealing with in terms of, you know, the size difference between Kelly Tartans and, and what they would have. So, no, sadly, no. Okay. Kia ora, Karen. This is James. Hey, if how hard is it to transport or um, tour from where he is right now to where the pod might be? How would they do that? Could they do that? Um, I mean, there's there a couple of options of doing this. In New Zealand, and you've got to love our ingenuity, there have been um, some amazing feats of moving large animals over distances. Um, many years ago, I think it was around a decade ago, I was involved in the um, the uh, Spirits Bay mass stranding of pilot whales yeah. where we had, I think, a good 20 pilot whales that were put on flatbed trucks and literally moved a, a good nearly, I think, 80 kilometres from one coastline to another. There are ways and means of being able to move animals, and, and that was an extreme case there. And um, We're dealing with one animal that's obviously much smaller. The logistics are not so much around the issue of moving, but more around the issues of stress-induced response um, and the potential for what that might cause in terms of whether or not the animal actually survives that process. We are dealing, obviously, with not large, robust adult animals here, but a but a neonate, a baby, as we keep saying, and, a, and that, that in itself is where some of the complexities lie. You know, we hear about whale song and that, you know, they, they can communicate over kilometres. Is there any way, if you put tour in the wild that it would be able to still communicate with its mother now? And one of the things that we know is that they can certainly communicate in the context of, um, you know, vocalizations and, and signature calls. Um, and, and definitely orca killer whales, they're, they're, they're also very vocal and they can do similar to what some of the other species are that are renowned for that. And um, in terms of, obviously, if we were in a position where Going back to the to the the day or the evening of the stranding, you know, there's no doubt that the close proximity of 
um, tour in relation to that family pod, then, then vocalizations could, could indeed be really, really important. And I know members of the public have made some great suggestions actually around the possibility of recorded acoustics from tour being used um, in relation to her, when or him rather, should I say, when, when, when back in the sea pan. Mm. Um, I, I think all those all those ideas have certainly been thrashed around and discussed. Um, and we're certainly within the technical group who are on the ground as part of that Department of Conservation. Right. Um, yeah, so all these things are, are absolutely viable options and certainly in the context of uh, a potential reflotation or reunification, I have no doubt that possibly acoustics would be used as part of that. Professor, we've got limited time, and I know you have, but in your view, should they have taken to that baby orca from that rock pool or just left it there to its own demise? I don't believe that we should leave. I mean, we we have a hands-on policy in New Zealand. We are interactive. We do. We are one of the few nations that really get so involved in our mass training response. And I applaud that. In fact, my whole research is around that. That's that's where my area of expertise is. That's that's what we do. So I don't think it's a case of we should leave an animal to its own devices or leave it to its own demise. It's completely understandable the the response that we've had so far, and nobody's questioning that. I think where our broader conversation has been sitting over this last 24, 48 hours is we need that forward planning because up until now, we have not had the luck on our side. We've not been able to relocate that pod. And we know even if we do, there's a lot of other hurdles to overcome. So it's the forward planning that I think is really, really more our focus rather than the should we have not intervened. Because I, I really do think that we do have, my personal view is, you know, there's responsible for the wild or wildly irresponsible. I, I like to have a, an element of responsibility for the wild right. and for us to, to engage with our whale stranding. Um, so yeah, I, I think there there are options, but I, I don't I don't think our past actions are something we need to to consider or regret or okay. or, or over ponder. I think it's more about let's work as a collective team here going forward to make sure we make the very best decisions for Tor and his and his welfare going forward. Two quick things to finish, and kind of a yes or no: a transmitter on tour, put it out to sea, yes or no? What context? Tor on his own, no. No, we should not be releasing that whale without the context of the rest of the pod. If he is resp- if he is released in the context of a pod, um, despite being incredibly small and that having some reservation, the reality of it is, is, you know, we've had some very good international advice from welfare organisations, from international scientists, who say that if we were to undergo a release, it would in many cases be irresponsible if we didn't put a tag on him. And I can completely get that sentiment and understand why. Karen, really appreciate it. I'm Thanks, so Prof. sorry to be rude. You've got to run.